Hello, Lumberjack and Big Sky Nation. I am your host, Casey. How are you doing? I've been gone. I took a week off. It was nice. Celebrated my 30th birthday. Celebrated Mother's Day. A lot of things have been going on in the world of sports. Some big news just came out today from NCAA. This is a pretty big episode. I'm pretty excited about it. I hope everyone is doing well. I definitely do. I hope everyone is getting better if they were sick. I hope everyone that is not sick is keeping not sick. Just stay great. These last few months have really taken a toll on the majority of sports fans. It is absolutely crazy to think of a world with no sports. We've lived it. I never want to live this ever again in my entire life. It's horrible. But NCAA came out today, stated that June 1st, uh, colleges can allow their uh, athletic students to begin workouts. That's phase one. And then after that, They can start drills and start practicing and then looking forward to actual competition. I cannot tell you how much I am looking forward to that very first game. For football, for volleyball, who knows? Maybe we can get a baseball, you know, a small baseball season in there. I doubt it this year, but definitely next year. However, today... I do not have just a normal guest, not saying any of my guests are normal because all of them have been absolutely great. But for me personally, since I've been doing this podcasting since January of last year, this is to me the biggest guest I've ever had. I'm having a full-fledged deep dive conversation, everything you can think of. With the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, Tom Wistersill. My conversation with Tom is up next. You don't want to miss any of it.
I'm on the line with the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, Tom Wistersill. Thank you, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great, Casey. Great to join you. Well, thank you for being here. Hey, so a few big things have happened within the last week within Big Sky and NCAA, and I kind of want to talk to you about that and get your your perspective and, and viewpoints, okay? So on May 11th, the Big Sky, you and the rest of the board came out uh, and said that that you were going to be allowing each individual member of the Big Sky to make institutional decisions uh, regarding its student athletes. And today, NCAA came out, said that starting June 1st, there will be voluntary uh, workouts and, and practices for whatever athletes and universities want, want to do that. First off, what made you and the rest of the Big Sky Board uh, go that route? And what's your thoughts on the NCAA statement? Sure. So I give you know, a lot of credit to our leadership. We have great leadership, our ADs, faculty reps, senior women's administrators, and ultimately the presidents to, uh, to really take a hard look at what's happening around the country, specifically in our footprint, and to allow our schools to make decisions. So we're in eight states spread out amongst the West. I mean, we have a huge footprint, as big as any conference in the country. And so what's happening in Arizona is different than Montana. What's happening in Colorado is different than California. And so, so as our schools start to come out of the, um, the, the COVID quarantine status, governed by our states, each state is in a different place. So what we allowed each school to do is to follow their own state guidelines of when they can open up, what they can do, how often they have to clean their facilities, how big the groups can be, what are the social distancing rules. We thought as a conference having all of that amongst our 11 full-time members and then our, our affiliates, it was just too much to manage. In some ways, micromanagement at that level. And, uh, and so our president said, no, you know what? Let's let each state dictate to each school what rules they're gonna follow and when. And be not as concerned with, does everybody get started the same date? Will everybody start practice the same date? Heck, will everybody start games the same date? But to look at it and say, no, you know what we're about? We're about providing everybody the opportunities for our student athletes to get in the gym, to start working out as soon as they're able by their local law. And so that was a decision we made. I believe we were the first conference in the country to do that and uh, feel really good about allowing our schools to govern themselves. They're the ones that need to make those decisions locally. And uh, we're excited that that's going to be able to happen. Now with the NCA rule, uh, uh, ruling that June 1st, when that can happen, now our schools know, okay, can they, can they start June 1st? Will it be June 8th? Will it be June 15th? Now they can start putting a plan into place for allowing their student athletes to come on campus and do voluntary workouts, work out in the weight room, run on the track, run on the field, do those types of things uh, that they would normally be doing in the summertime. Got it. I'm definitely looking forward to that, um, you know, because it's been a crazy time without having any kind of sports. And no doubt. 
we all love college sports. Now, as we all know, COVID has really messed with plans, you know, in regard to, well, everything. California is still on lockdown for another three months, which leaves Sac State, Cal Poly, and UC Davis potentially not being ready to have a season if that comes to fruition. Oregon has a ban on any major outdoor activities that involves more than 10 people in place until September. So there is a question mark for Portland State. And I have not seen or heard anything yet when it comes to Washington State. So what does it do to a conference that has as many members that the Big Sky does uh, when four or more can't play, but others can? Yeah. Well, Casey, if your crystal ball is more clear than mine, I'd love to love to see what that's about. Um, quite frankly, we don't know what the future holds. Um, Again, different states making different decisions. You know, in California right now, they're not allowing those groups, um, but it's May 20th. What that looks like in June, what it looks like in July, everyone's guess is the same. No one has any idea. Yes, some states are ahead of others. Here in Utah, where I am, Montana, Idaho, they're starting to open up and have, having groups start to get together. So at this point, as of today, it looks like favorably for those states to allow those schools to open up. Hopefully that means we'll be able to have competition. Hopefully we'll be able to have fans. And then we'll just have to wait and see how other states come along during that time frame. That's why what I've said continually is everything is on the table for us. One of the things we're looking at is a flexible scheduling model. We could have the potential of, okay, Northern Arizona, we know you're going to play a home game on these dates. Not sure who you're playing yet. We're going to wait and see who's available, who, who can play by their state laws, who doesn't have any COVID restrictions on them, who can travel to Arizona, all of those. We just don't know yet. It's so early right now to be able to tell about competition. We'll have a much better idea. Everybody's really targeting kind of July 15th as kind of a crucial time frame because we expect a six-week uh, acclimatization time frame to come out from the NCA of when our student athletes are going to need six weeks to get ready to play football. Might be shorter in soccer or volleyball and that sort of thing, but that six-week time frame looks like it's going to hold true. So if July fifteenth is that date, that means that's that would be six weeks before that first of September when we would want to play football. So. Too early to tell right now how state restrictions in various places would play out for our whole conference, but we're looking at every possibility, every contingency plan. Are we gonna have some schools that can't play at all this fall? We're gonna have some that can't play until October. You know, we could have schools that play four games and some play eight, some play the full 11. We just don't know and we have to, right now we have to plan for lots of different things, but we also have to be patient to let the doctors and experts monitor each state to see where the growth is. Hopefully we've turned the curve now to head downhill in many of our states, and then we'll have a much more positive outcome. One thing I know for sure, we'll be much smarter a month from today than we are. We'll be much smarter a month after that. And that comes the crucial time to make those decisions. 
Definitely. Now, I know it's still too early to tell, but it's a good question. If let's say during I'll be the judge of that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's totally fair. You don't get to say it's a good question when you develop it. <laughs> okay. To me it's Just a good fun question. With you. I know. I know. All right. Okay, so if let's say during conference games, for instance, Sac State and Cal Poly uh, play uh, at NAU or for or with NAU, if those teams couldn't play, would it be the conference's job to fill those holes or would NAU win by forfeiture? So... There's, we do have code restrictions about conference scheduling. That's part of our big sky code. So first it would fall to the conference to say, okay, again, in this crazy year, um, what, what type of scheduling flexibility are we going to allow? So we haven't made those decisions yet as a leadership, ADs, presidents, of what specific things we're going to allow as far as moving games around. But that's the path we're heading down if we know that schools can't play. We're going to try, you know, we've talked about some schools might have to play each other twice in football. You know, not unheard of in other sports, obviously, basketball, you know, but, but, but fairly unheard of in football. Um, so that, that could be a possibility. Um, I think the very last thing we would want to do is a fourth. Our student athletes want to play. I think we would do everything possible to find an opponent for every game, even if we have to work with institutions to find additional non-conference opponents. But our goal is going to be to give every team in the Big Sky that can play opportunities to play the other Big Sky teams that can play at the time that we're going to that we'd be scheduling games. You know, again, what we don't know is if that first weekend that we're supposed to play in conference, which I believe is the third week in September, how many of our 13 football schools will be able to play that weekend? Is it all 13? Is it eight? Is it four? I don't know. But we'll know ahead of time what adjustments we have to make in that time. And I know we'll be committed as a conference to fill out those games with as many big sky opponents as we can. Awesome. Good question. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, at the beginning of the football season, most FCS teams play uh, FBS opponents. With the possibility, again, everything is a possibility right now. With the possibility of the Pac-12, rumor has it, if some of the colleges can't play, rumors are Pac-12 isn't going to be competing. Now, I can't see that happening. I, I just can't. But what does it do uh, for the conference and the individual Big Sky team? Because those are money games for FCS. What does the Big Sky do in that instance? Yeah, really difficult situation if – our conf the conferences around us or any of our non-conference games get canceled. Really, really challenging situation. As you mentioned, a number of our schools, I think all but one, are playing guarantee games this year, at least one. Some are playing multiple. 
and the whole financial structure of their athletic department is built around that revenue. And so if a school can't get that payday, $500,000, $750,000, what it is, it creates a really difficult situation for our schools. They're counting on that money to pay for uh, their coaches, to pay for student athlete programs, staff, I mean, to pay for scholarships. There's a lot of money uh, in the system tied to those guarantee games. So that is a, a real concern of ours as we hear about what's going on, which is why we look towards the good news every day, hopefully that's starting to come around of each state starting to loosen up restrictions a little bit here and there. We see that as positive steps towards, you know, will we get every game in this fall? No, maybe not. Um, but will there be football played? Absolutely. I can't tell you what it looks like or how many games or which non-conference games are going to play. But, you know, our non-conference teams spread out a lot. Certainly we play Pac-12 schools. We play Mountain West Conference schools. We also, I think, I think uh, one of our schools, I think Idaho might be playing at Florida this year. So, you Eastern know, Washington plays Florida. Yep. I'm sorry, Eastern Washington. Yeah. So we're spread out a lot. So, so there's a lot of decisions that will have to have, have to happen around the country um, that fall the right way for us to get all our non-conference games. Now, on the flip side, we also have schools that are hosting other other uh, FCS teams, and we're not sure what's going to happen to those games either. Our teams need the home games to sell tickets, to sell concessions parking to fill out obligations for their donor programs and so so it's kind of a double-edged sword there where where we need the guarantee games and we need home games and anything that upsets that apple cart will be a lot of concern to every one of our schools right i know that the big sky doesn't have a major tv deal other than root sports which is kind of mostly for the montanas uh, Big Sky uses Pluto TV, which is a free TV app, which is really good. You know, I, I've totally enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. There are uh, a lot of fans that have asked and wish that the Big Sky joined MVFC and a few other conferences in using ESPN3. Has there been a thought process in doing so, and what would it take? Yeah, so... You mentioned our media partners, and, and uh, I think we have great partners uh, with, uh, with Root, and we've had it with 11 Sports, and then obviously our streaming package with Pluto. Uh, that has really grown. I, I, before I got here uh, 18, 19 months ago, I had not heard of Pluto. And, uh, and so since then, obviously, I've become a little bit of a Pluto expert, um, and I think their programming is great. It's a great vehicle for us. Um, our fans have gotten used to going to find it. And, and I think our programming has been really strong and positive. And financially, it's turned into a very good thing for our schools now. Um, ESPN3 is a good platform. Uh, you know, there are, there are some ESPN promotional advantages there. Um, but our contracts with our current partners have about anywhere from another 12 to 18 months on it. We'll start to explore other options here you know, within those next 12 months of what we can do. Um, ESPN in the past has not shown much interest in the Big Sky programming, and the conferences like ours that are with ESPN, financially it's not been a a great thing for them. 
it's been a, a I think a decent thing promotionally for them to be um, to be advertised on ESPN programming. Um, but nonetheless, the cost of all of those program of that programming still comes back to the institution. They still have to bear the cost of of the production. They still have to bear the cost of uh, of the um, staffing. And so, so similar to as our streaming is on Pluto, if Joe Smith in rural Montana is not getting a good feed, he's probably blaming Pluto for that. If we to ESPN. He would be blaming ESPN for that, even though it might not be ESPN or Pluto's fault at all. It could very well be the fact that the service that they're getting at their house is not very strong. It could be the wiring or at the arena or field that where it's being broadcast. It could be the camera. Maybe the camera's not up to speed at one of our schools. Uh, it could be uh, the fact the transfer, the, the, the uh, way we're transferring the feed from our school to Pluto is, is not done on a very high speed. So all of that needs to happen perfect before Pluto even gets the program. Then Pluto has to put it up on their, uh, on their platform in a, in a way that's done no different than they do a movie or any other show. So there's lots of steps in the process. Just to switch to ESPN, wouldn't fix the majority of the steps in that process. I hear you. So it's still up to our schools to upgrade equipment. It's still up to making sure all of our, all of the internet interfaces that happen between everybody's household, their TV, their computer, how they're getting the programming at home, how the, the local network they're tapping into, how that's working at the time. Every, all of the steps I've mentioned happen, happen perfectly. So I say that in saying that it's not quite as simple as let's just flip the switch and it's all fixed. Um, we still need to look at everything and decide, okay, monetarily, is it right for us? Does it reach the audience we want? Um, is the programming that we're delivering the quality that we expect and need? I think we're getting there with Pluto. They've been a really good partner. Uh, they've wanted to grow with us. Um, and it doesn't mean that we're not gonna talk to ESPN and look towards ESPN. But as far as their streaming platform goes, what they're doing with conferences like ours, not a whole lot differently than Pluto right now. Sounds good. Well, thank you for being very open with that. No problem. Now, what do you not really want to, but what do you expect to see in the coming months for athletics as states, you know, some states stay at home and some states are opening up. What are you expecting to see come September 1? So what I'm expecting is, so we've just created a new uh, medical, COVID medical uh, committee within the conference. Number of, uh, we're, we're gathering team physicians right in the middle of doing this as of today. Um, so we're getting in all these nominations for our school, team physicians, um, medical experts that deal with uh, diseases and, and uh, this type of a pandemic, team trainers, basically school personnel that are experts in this area. So what we expect to happen is for them to start to give us a guideline into how we're going to open up our schools ready for workouts first. We talked about that June 1st timeframe. That needs to happen first. Then practices. When can we practice and what does that look like on every school? 
come August, and then ultimately competition. And so what we're looking for is we're looking for a baseline that every school is going to have to achieve. We're not looking for a 30-page document of how to clean every piece of equipment and that sort of thing. Every school will have their own one of those uh, that, they, that the state will set, that their local medical community, they'll, they'll, they'll each have those. What we want to have is we want to have this baseline set up so that when Northern Arizona goes and plays at Southern Utah, whether it's soccer or volleyball or football in the fall, that, that, that Northern Arizona, their personnel, their student athletes, coaches, staff, everyone, feels comfortable that Southern Utah has met this set of baseline needs. It might be 13 things, 20 things, who knows? But we're gonna rely on these experts to give us these baseline needs that each school is gonna have to meet in order to host student athletes. And so my expectation between now and then is we start to have those set up in each of those three areas. What's it gonna to have to be for workouts? Schools are gonna to have to determine that. What's it gonna to have to be for practices? And then what's it gonna to have to be for games? So when you think about testing, how often are we gonna test student athletes? Each school might decide differently that they're gonna test student athletes once a week, every other day, every two weeks. Maybe they're just gonna decide, we're just gonna see who's symptomatic and then test. But each school is gonna to have to make that decision based upon their own medical experts. And then we're going to have to decide as a conference, what are we comfortable with when, our, when, when competition starts to happen on each of our schools? So, so I think that's a lot of the work that's going to happen behind the scenes at each of our conference schools. And then ultimately, as we bring the conference back together in discussions to see how we're going to move forward as we near the fall. Well, that is awesome. It seems like uh, Big Sky has really taken the initiative to do what's right for not not just the players, not just for the schools, but just for everything in general. And I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, you know, I think what you have is, you know, college athletics is uh, athletics is really important to our universities. And, you know, it's it's the marketing arm of our universities. You know, people talk about it being the front porch, right? I mean, more people come in touch with a university at the division one level through their athletics than any other one entity. And so it's an important thing for our schools. Our schools wanna open up. They need to have students on campus this fall in whatever way that looks. And college athletics is part of that and provides such great energy and excitement for our campuses. And uh, we wanna do it the right way. Um, we feel like we're being conservative in that we're ultimately concerned with health and safety of everyone involved first. Secondarily, we wanna have college athletics this fall. And how do we do it in the most safe way possible for everyone involved, following all the state guidelines? And, and that's why making the decision to allow each state to drive the decisions at each university is so important. And that's why I tell people, what I can promise you is that we're gonna have college sports this fall. What it looks like, I have no idea. Hopefully sometime in the next coming months, I'll be able to answer that better. Uh, but I feel good about where we're heading in the direction as of today, May 20th. Um, I want to get your, your personal opinion. The SEC commissioner came out, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And he said he doesn't believe that 
college football should be played unless there's fans in this in the seats. What's your opinion on maybe there's fans, maybe there's not fans for this season? So lots of difficult decisions go into having a, a season, right? My gut tells me that for a president to say to their football players, it's okay for you to come back and practice and get ready to compete. What he's telling them as students is it's okay to come back to campus. And I can't see a president separating out the, the football student athlete from the non-student athlete. So I think there has to be some correlation between we're going to have students back on campus and we're going to have student athletes on campus. So by that, I'm saying that if it's okay to have student athletes on campus, it's okay to have some students on campus, we'd have to allow some students to come to the games. So I don't see a college president saying it's okay for the football player, but it's not okay for the football player's classmates, family, friends, or anybody else to come to the stadium. I have a hard time separating those two things. So, so I, 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 to that point, I agree with Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, that it seems odd to me to have it okay for that, for that small pot of student athletes, but not any other students. So saying that, it doesn't mean that we can't play football and there's just a thousand students there or 5,000 students or whatever the proper social distancing rules would be at that time. Um, but I just have a hard time saying it's going to be that cut and dry. Yes, you can play football and no, there's no one in the stands. It just seems like a too big of a jump for me to make here on May 20th. Right. Well, Tom, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to say? The floor is 100% yours. No, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of ground. It's the most unprecedented time in all of our lives, not just, not just college football, let's be honest. I mean, it's, it's, it's the strangest thing we'll ever go through in our entire lives, and that's why health and safety has to be first. It's what we talk about the most in our, in our calls, whether it's the president, ADs, or whatever, or coaches that we're having these conversations with. And, uh, you know, let's have safety first. Let's forget about competitiveness and, you know, oh, it's unfair that we're played eight games and we only got to play four. Heck, I think every one of us just wants to have college sports back in the fall in some way, shape, or form. Let's find a safe way to do that. And I think it's a big step forward for us if our institutions are open and we're able to do this. Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you again, and uh, we'll talk soon, yeah? Enjoy it, Casey. Have a great evening. Hey, you too. Thank you. I want to thank Tom Wistersell once again for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much. And to my listeners, I really hope that this episode was potentially able to answer some of those burning questions that you may, may have had, and not just about COVID, but, you know, TV deals and plans of the future. I know I've had some of those questions uh, for a while, and that's why I made sure to, to put that in there. 
I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you for listening. We will talk soon next week. Thank you for listening to this episode. Always remember, never forget, Root NAU. NAU. To get more information, please visit Twitter at NAU Podcast or SoundCloud.com slash NAU Podcast.